Hello and welcome to Beyond Mascus, the show where encounter meets mission. I am your host today, Aaron Richards, here at Damascus in Centerburg, Ohio, where we are working every day to awaken, empower, and equip a generation to live the adventure of the Catholic faith. And I am joined here in the illustrious Damascus Media Studio by my friend and brother in Christ, the special guest host, co-host for today's show, Noah Gilchrist. Welcome, Hello. Noah. Hello. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Noah serves here at Damascus as our director of outreach. And we'll talk a little bit about what uh, what Noah does here in just a little bit. But Noah, I'm wondering if you can open us in prayer today, brother. Let's do it in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to just uh, speak the good news, the good news that uh, that is is your story. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, to just witness to you and to serve you and love you and know you every single day. We ask for uh, your blessing over this time, and we just ask that we would get to know you, that we wouldn't just be hearing thoughts or cool concepts, but that we would actually get to know you mm, more in this you, time. Lord. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. Thank pray you, this all Jesus. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beyond Damascus is the name of the game here at... Beyond Damascus, and uh, where does that idea come from? Well, it comes from the life of the of the man Saint Paul, right? Noah, you know the story. Saint Paul oh, yeah. on his way to Damascus, he encountered the Lord powerfully, and that encounter transformed his life forever. And that encounter launched him into a life of extraordinary mission, a life poured out. And here at Beyond Damascus, we like to say that every Christian is called to a life of full time ministry. That goes for moms and dads, that goes for you in your workplace, that's not just church workers, that's not just people working for the diocese or in Catholic schools, it's every single one of us that we're called to a life of full-time mission and evangelization, and living that call daily is what it takes. And uh, Noah, I was thinking this morning as I was preparing for today's show, um, just how pertinent that call is now. So Listeners, we are recording this show. If you're listening, um, hopefully on a uh, on a re replay, a rerun someday, somewhere, sometime outside of the summer of 2020, where we're still struggling through a global pandemic with COVID 19, and um, it's just changed. It's changed everything about how we live and operate and do ministry, mm-hmm. and. This summer in particularly, I believe that God's placed a call on our um, our mission here at Damascus and on our church to pave the way in responding effectively to how we live and operate mm-hmm. and engage with the world in a time of global crisis, mm-hmm. right? So... Um, Noah, why don't, why don't you speak a little bit about what we're doing here at Catholic Youth Summer Camp and um, and how... You know, we're responding and how how students are responding to uh, the Lord during this time. Yeah, well, I love, first of all, I love the name of this podcast that it's Beyond Damascus, right? So in this time, I think, you know, we have our missionaries living on site. We have um, an amazing staff. And I think what we could have said in this time, you know, when all of the, the when this pandemic began was, okay, let's close up shop. Let's let's stay here on this Damascus property. You know, it's nice to quarantine on 500 acres. So let's sit, let's, let's <laughs> oh, enjoy yeah. the the uh the lake let's enjoy our own basketball court all the different things let's just let's buckle down and let's sit on our site and um you know that's it goes back to the the reason we didn't do that is it goes back to the name of this podcast that 
we are always looking beyond what we have before us that um, we have, you know, 45 missionaries here on site, uh, many more in the summer. And um, our desire is not that we would just uh, create a Catholic community that is exciting and fun with each other, but that we would actually go beyond Damascus, that we would go beyond what we know um, to really engage the world that is so desperately needing an encounter with Jesus Christ. And so what we're doing on site a little bit, we're, we're, working really hard in ways that may seem awkward or may seem, um, some would call maybe, uh, not worth it. Uh-huh. Uh, it, but we're, we're working so hard. And so we're, we, why that's why we're acting so safe and everything, uh, because we want to be able to encounter as many souls as possible and go beyond what's comfortable here, uh, and actually go out to, to the discomfort so that people can encounter Christ in such a powerful way. Yeah. I was reflecting this morning on, uh, on Matthew's gospel, you know, when when Jesus takes uh, Peter, they're in they're in Caesarea Philippi, right? Mm-hmm. And Jesus makes that that famous he asks that famous question: Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And uh, and, and the apostles give um, give great responses for who it is the culture thinks of when they think of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, and it was the Christian culture, right? It was it was people who were affirming of the message of the Lord. And then, and then Jesus asks that fundamental question, and this is the question that's really driven much of the messaging here at Catholic Youth Summer Camp this summer. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And I think that question is as pertinent to our campers, it's as pertinent to you, our listeners, as it was to Peter in the time of Jesus, right? Who do you say that I am? It's not enough for us to engage in Christian dialogue in a way where we are, um, I don't know, being, let me, let me put this, let me, let me put this clearly, right? We have to have a response Mm -hmm. that's rooted in relationship with Jesus. When, when the Lord asks us who we say that he is, Yes, it's not good enough for us to give the right answer if it's not our answer. Yeah. Right. We can't settle as a church to give the church answer. We can't mm-hmm. settle as a church to give um, the contemporary Christian answer. We can't settle as a church to give the politically correct answer. Mm-hmm. We've got to search our heart and be convicted of the, the the message and the mission that comes from a place of relationship with Him. Yeah. yeah. Right. I was I was sharing with our missionaries this this weekend. We were we were engaged in a time of formation, and in the midst of in the midst of pandemic, right. We are, you know, we're making up new rules this mm-hmm. year. We're, we're trying to figure out how life operates in a way that we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, e- even trying to follow like state and um, CDC recommendations. It's it's impossible. Why? Because they change every single week, yeah. right? As as an entire world, we're trying yeah. to respond to this thing, and 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 we need to realize that as Christians, um, as, as ones who are who are deeply interested and invested mm-hmm. in the effective communication of the gospel that that we need to be contributing to to that uh, to that thought process right yes. yes so here at Damascus like you said Noah we we could have we could have shut down we could have sent the missionaries home we could have canceled camp in fact we had a great plan for uh digital online programming um that that we are still using for mm-hmm. uh for ministry to those people who who can't join us here safely at Catholic Youth Summer Camp this summer. But, um, you know, we've had, we've had 
1,300 kids here on site so far this summer, yeah. and we've got another 850, God willing, uh, lined up, ready to come and join us this year. Mm-hmm. And I, I told our missionaries this this weekend that a victory this summer isn't going to be that we managed to effectively run programming while avoiding someone getting sick on campus, right? I've got my fingers crossed that that's the way things are going to go. And I'm proclaiming in the name of Jesus, (laughs) there will be no sickness on this campus. Amen. Right. But the victory wasn't, isn't, isn't that we are effectively mitigating risk, right? Victory for us comes when we faithfully communicate the gospel. Victory Mm -hmm. comes for us when we effectively respond to the mission that God's placed on our hearts, even, and especially in a time of crisis, and we live it out faithfully. Is there a balance? Of course there's a balance, right? Mm-hmm. We've, we've, we've got to do it in a way where we can be relevant and effective and the, you know, health and safety and um, all of those things are absolute priorities to us. Mm-hmm. But, but you know what? When Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? Like That's got to be the motivating factor in the decisions that we make in our lives. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I was so... Um, so Dan, who I'm filling in for, I'm taking a spot right now, but Dan Dimite, he, in one of our staff meetings, when we were right, when the pandemic struck, we were all sitting, um, up in this studio actually in a meeting and we were all kind of fighting back and forth and bickering back and forth on what we should do, how we should go about things. And Dan said something that really changed my perspective. He said, he actually had us all stop. He had us all stop what we were talking about and everything and said, let's pray. But the way, what he said was, and when we go into this prayer time, we need to enter into this prayer time um, in the mindset of of the apostles. And so one of the things that I think is so powerful um, that we don't do enough, that we can do in any season, not just in this time of pandemic or whatever, is the question that he said. He said, we need to enter into this prayer time in the way that the apostles entered into the prayer time at Pentecost, that if we right now were in the upper room and we just experienced the, the power of the Holy Spirit and COVID-19 was at the other side of the door, what would we do? Yeah. And that has to be our response in everything. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've been praying a lot about, um, and I think this is the world's prayer, even if they don't know if they're praying it. This is the church's prayer, even if we don't know if we're praying it. And my prayer a lot has been, God, r- return things back to normal. Yeah. And I've been praying that day after day for these last few months. And what I really heard God say last week, it was actually <laughs> uh, a week ago today, I heard God say, I, didn't you see that normal didn't work? Oh, didn't you man. see that normal didn't work? But that it, we are called to be stepping into the power of the gospel, that if Pentecost just happened in our lives and COVID-19 is on the other side of the door, what are we called to yeah. do? And that's the answer that we need to pray about and discern and come up with. Come, Lord Jesus, renew in us an, uh, an evangelistic zeal. Mm-hmm. Man, um, that's such a good—Noah, as you're, as you're sharing that, it brings to mind. So I had opportunity this past year— to travel with, uh, with with a couple friends and my daughter Leah to Paris and Paris, France. It was the first time that we ever traveled overseas, and uh, we were there to help minister at a conference that was being held at a beautiful ancient complex in Paris, in right in the middle of of the city. It's called the MEP, and um, I, I, you know. My Parisian accent <laughs> fails me on most occasions, but I'll translate the name into English. It was the it was the um, it was the seminary for for foreign missions, and you know everything's older in France, of course, in 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 these ancient European towns. Um, but we were staying in essentially a castle, okay, <laughs> and actually on 
Uh, uh, funny aside, so one, uh, I, I was so blessed by our accommodations, and uh, and it was it was beautiful. We were behind, we were literally behind like stone walls. And one day, I was with I was with my daughter and one of her buddies, and we were they were resting and listening to an audio book or something. I was working, and I had my window open. We were up on the fourth floor of this building, and I was just I was just kind of decompressing from the day. And uh, I looked out the window and down below walking through the courtyard where we had just eaten our breakfast is this group of tourists like um, <laughs> following a tour guide pointing up at the at the architecture and at the window that I'm sitting at. And I was like, hey, hey. <laughs> just getting some work done. Good to see you. <laughs> this is my home. Uh, anyway, being at the being at the the seminary for four missions, it was it was incredibly inspiring and, and to to two powerful moments that impacted me. And I'll remember these for the rest of my life. The first one is on the, our, our first, our first full day there, we arrived at, at this seminary for foreign missions and uh, we were looking around and, you know, in most, I don't know, most places like you come here to Damascus and you go visit the gift shop and you see kind of the story of what happens here. There's a, there's, there's a, there's a place where the history is, is recorded there. It's, it's called the crypt. And why is it called the crypt? Because it's filled with the bodies, the bodies and the artifacts surrounding the lives of the priests and missionaries that were sent out over the course of hundreds of years from this seminary. And mm. looking through looking through the crypt at the at the map, there were um, images and stories and uh, and maps where where men had been sent on assignment to share the name of Jesus in hostile foreign lands. Mm-hmm. And there was one wall that was, that was covered with the instruments that were used to kill the priests who had left from the seminary and gone wow. around the world. And uh, as I was going through here, it, it kind of began to click what this, what this you know, little museum was. And all of a sudden I was just overcome with this, with this desire, like, you know, there was a time when in, in my life out of high school and into college where I was, I was just struck by a passionate zeal for the gospel where my, my mm-hmm. greatest desire was God that you would martyr me. Right. <laughs> I just, I want to give my life for something valuable. And I think friends, if you're anything like me, that as time goes on and as, as, as I've gotten more comfortable in life, mm-hmm. that zeal that once existed in me has, has subsided. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, so the the rector of the seminary was was presiding over a, over a mass that we celebrated to kick off this conference, and he was sharing with us the history of the place, and uh, he too began to share the stories of of the men who had gone, the thousands of men who had left this seminary and gone to their deaths in the proclamation of the gospel, to the point where he said that at its highest point, um, the seminary was full of of applicants of students who would come to be trained and the the terminology that they used to describe this place was that it was known as the school of the martyrs <sighs> that you would come here to be trained as a priest to be sent to your death and i thought to myself <laughs> what the heck am i doing <laughs> yes. yes so you know friends um it, we we are in the midst of a of a of a pandemic as a world, um, people are suffering. There are people who are dying and we are being asked to respond in a way that keeps the gospel as the highest priority in our lives. 
Mm-hmm. My prayer for us as we wrap up this, uh, this first segment is that we would be filled with a spirit of courage mm-hmm. and boldness again, that we would remember that our primary call is as a Christian, right? As one who shares the name of Jesus, as one who lives the life of Jesus. We're, we have a guest mm-hmm. today, Father Jim Cosgrove, who's just been an amazing inspiration to our team here at Damascus. And uh, I can't wait to come back after the break for you to hear his story. Friends, I hope that uh, this message so far has, has been inspiring to you and that you'll, that you'll join us for the rest of this show. Uh, once again, we are here at Beyond Damascus. And I failed to mention at the, at the start of the show today, but Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. It's carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We're so thankful for St. Gabriel and EWTN, and mm-hmm. we will catch you, friends, right after this break. EWTN, teaching the truth. Well, I don't think we're like the typical college students because we really hang out at our campus ministry and everything. It's amazing about how much more connected you feel. We share really cool articles from uh, actually you guys, uh, EWTN, and like what you were saying about evangelization. So that's really nice. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Looking for a 2020 view on how Catholics are voting in the upcoming election? EWTN News and Real Clear Opinion Research are partnering to bring you clear and concise data on where the nation stands on issues, candidates, policies, and more by surveying Americans, including Catholics like you. And it's available now at EWTNNews.com forward slash poll. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Once again, I'm your uh, host for today's show, Aaron Richards, joined here in studio at the illustrious Damascus Media Studio by my friend and brother in Christ, Noah Gilchrist. Welcome, Noah. Noah is our guest co-host for today's show. And friends, it has already been a riveting show, a reflection on uh, our Christian call in light of our current global pandemic crisis, and uh, our first, the first segment of the show was was really uh, awesome, if I do say so myself. <laughs> so uh, I would encourage you, if you're interested, if you're just joining us today, to jump on back and um, go ahead and look up the Beyond Damascus podcast if you want to hear the whole show. It can be found wherever podcasts are found. As you know, Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio, carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. And Noah, without further ado, let's, uh, let's bring on today's guest. We'd like to welcome from the Diocese of Cleveland, Father Jim Cosgrove. Welcome, Ooh. Father. Hey, fellas. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us today. A privilege and a pleasure, as yeah. I said. <laughs> so Father Jim has been a, uh, a, an awesome partner of Damascus. You're here, Father, as, a, uh, as an on-site uh, chaplain here during the week of Catholic Youth Summer Camp this week. Indeed. Are you working with the high schoolers or the middle schoolers? High schoolers. Yeah, this is my third summer. This is your third Being down here. Which I one do you it. like better, high school or middle school? You know school? what? Someone asked me that, and I, originally I would have said middle school. But huh. I I I think this this year's high school class uh, gave them a run for their money. 
Okay. So I, can't, I can't decide. I really can't decide. It's I thought problem. I would have said middle school, but it's I do. It's a pretty like, raucous group this week. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like <laughs> high school, the they're old enough that you can hit them a little bit harder. Yeah. And they won't cry as easily. Well, <laughs> and, amen. Not and, physically. And Father, you don't like holding punches. So that's why we like you here. You are Irish. Yes. <laughs> I'm an Irish Catholic cop as a father. <laughs> so yeah, we learned fast. So friends, Father Jim has been uh, just a, a huge blessing to our community here at Damascus. Thank and you. Um, Father, you have, uh, you have been present here at a number of our retreats to serve in a ministry role, mm-hmm. and then also a really close friend of our missionary community here. And we're, um, we're, we're overjoyed to have you on today's show. Thank you. Yeah. It, is, it is a Bethany for priests, is what I say. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of our, our Cleveland priests feel the same way. Okay. So thank you. Priests who may be joining us for today's show, whether you're in Columbus or Cleveland or Cincinnati or wherever. Get down here. Or come up here. to Damascus. Or over here. We will, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put you up. We'll give you a place where you can come and enjoy. For free. Yes. Yeah, Noah said it, so we'll do it. <laughs> or you can enjoy Why do I get a bill? <laughs> a beautiful 471 acres of, um, of God's country. And, yes, visit. Uh, and Jesus in the middle. So It's holy ground, indeed. Yeah. Okay, Father. Yes. First half of the day's show, um, Noah and I were reflecting on how Catholic Youth Summer Camp has responded in the midst of what are trying times mm-hmm. for us as as church and um it was a, it was it was a great reflection on a lot of the i think what boils down to a call fundamentally to exhibiting and reacting in courage and boldness right where uh the tendency might be for others simply to hide their head in fear yeah and or wait it out or mm-hmm. or yeah. wait it out and um i was just i was curious i'd love to hear your story about how uh how these past few months have been impacting you as a priest? Quite dramatically, actually. <laughs> uh, with I know you were talking about how there seems to be new directives every day. Yeah. Uh, we respond or try to respond as best we can every day. And, uh, and because that is of a pastoral nature, uh, it can be daunting because yeah. everyone has a different reaction. Yeah. And to, to keep an even keel... And to, to minister appropriately, it's more uh, of a, a responsibility to receive what they're feeling and then do our best to minister appropriately, right, to that degree. So it's it can be kind of daunting because there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. And people don't know what is uh, the most responsible thing to do. Uh, what does Jesus want us to do? Yeah. Um, what is best for us individually, each person? What is best for our families? So it's been uh, it's been a wild ride. And um, But I—, I I tell a lot of people it's a good time to be a priest because this is mm. what we're called to do. Yeah, it's it's wild. Um, we were reflecting at the start of the show. So the um, the theme this summer for Catholic Youth Summer Camp has been has been credo. What what is it that we believe? And uh, two nights in, kind of kind of one of the highlight moments of our week, we ask the students that same message that Jesus asks his apostles, his 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 closest followers in Matthew's Gospel. He says, "Who do you say that I am?" And, um, and Noah and I were just reflecting that our response to that has to be what drives our mm-hmm. reaction, regardless of what attack the enemy might be throwing our way, whether it's right. as individuals in our private lives, whether it's as a, you know, as a church, whether it's as a country, whether it's as a world. And right now, um, it just seems that, that the fear that, you know, 
justly so, uh, we do need to react in a way that is appropriate and, and prudent and prudent given the circumstances that are, that our world's facing. But, um, an unhealthy, fearful response will actually position us in a place where we can't, we can't do both things at the same time where mm-hmm. we can't, we can't mm-hmm. live a life that's founded on fear and live a Christian life on mission simultaneously. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I wonder how Peter would have responded if, yeah. if, if in the back of his mind, maybe it was in the back of his mind, but if, if his motivation had been, okay, what are those Pharisees going to think? Right. Yeah. All right. What's, uh, what's, what, what are mom and dad going to say? <laughs> or how, how am I going to probably be, did think those, how things. am I going to be accepted in temple tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but he said, no, my, you know, my, my Lord and my God, right. That, uh, that, that you are the Christ, the living son of God. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's, that's the decision that we have to make mm-hmm. right now in, mm-hmm. in today's culture. It's, it's, it's whether we are going to take opportunity, you know, every, every cloud has its silver lining. That's a fancy musical way of saying that God can <laughs> twist evil to bring good out of what the enemy meant for our, for our harm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's not the first time we've heard the story and, uh, and, and we have an opportunity now as, as church to actually be the ones who are not going to sit by and wait it out, right? Who are not going to sit by and and um, wait and see what the end of the story is, mm-hmm. but who actually have opportunity to to establish the fact that you know, like we talk about all the time, that I am called to be in ministry for such a time as this. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm called to be on mission right now. Amen. And and our response right now is is it's it's going to separate out. Um, you know, it's going to separate the men from the boys. Yeah. It's going to yeah. separate the 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 women from the little girls. You know, uh, <laughs> that the the way that we respond to crisis now is going to be the story that we tell our children. Um, you know, I I waited by and and sat still for two years while the world got its act together, or I took the opportunity that nobody else was taking to establish new um new direction to establish new opportunity for outreach for evangelization mm-hmm. and did the hard work that was necessary to actually live a life of you know um of christian mission in a time yeah. when others were standing still Amen. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. It's a good time to be a priest because I think every yeah, dang it every <laughs> <laughs> sorry fellas no you still you still got time. Um, <laughs> No, I, I, I think a lot of the, the priests today, I would hope my generation uh, entered into the priesthood as, as something that they wanted to pursue that's heroic, yeah. yes. right? Because they know the integrity of the pripriesthood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think back, I'm not sure when that Fishers of Men video was made. Oh, yeah. Where there's that, that Superman priest. Remember that? Oh. He's like running down the highway <laughs> to the car I was like three accident. when I saw that. That was power. Right? I, I love wow. that. I wasn't yeah. three. I was probably nine. <laughs> And uh, there is there is an element of you know going into the face of danger, yes, um, to protect the the woman that we love. In our case, the the bride, the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, this is a time for for us as priests to do that. So, but for everyone, right? I think it's there's a there's a boldness, there's an excitement. Not that we want to suffer, or you know that, that God wants us to suffer, but uh, saints are made in this time, you yeah. know. And and why would we want to shy away from that? Yeah. yeah. Um. We, we know it's true. We've read it in the Gospels. We read all the same stories, and I think we want to pursue that mm-hmm. on our terms. Yep. And now it's it's time for the rubber to meet the road. Yeah. And I think there is, rightly so, just based on our experience, um, to, to 
to think what Peter thought. Like, oh my, what are they going to think of me now? Yes. We got we to gotta leave the upper room now? I thought, we thought you were going to give us <laughs> a couple more nice. years of formation here, you know, or a little bit of credentials, more credentials, you or, know. Or an immunization. Right, yeah. right exactly, exactly. But uh, as a lot of uh, us have been talking about and what I received in prayer is, you know, the ship is sailing, though. It's, it's, it's time to move, whether we like it or not, because when mm-hmm. something this global affects the church, which is you know, seen as a ship moving towards the kingdom. Yeah. Um, we've been on the shore for a while wow. in, in our own pockets, at least in my experience, going to other different dioceses. Mm-hmm. Um, but now when, when something shifts the, the, the plates of the earth, it's going to move the water. So whether we like it or not, the ship's moving. And either we get yeah. on the ship or we stay on the dock. And uh, it's time to, time to row. Yeah, well, and in this time, it's so unique because we're hearing, you know, People are dying, and so we need we need to make sure to stay safe and and you know not move. And there's there's parts of that are, that are true. We uh, need to stay safe. And yes, <laughs> it's significant. We can't minister if we don't if we have no one to minister to. And so that is so important that we need to to be safe. But at the same time, there's another reality. It's twofold. There's another reality to that statement. It's that people are dying. And so there's there's reality that yes, we need to stay safe because people are dying. But there's a reality that we need to get mobile because people are dying, and they may not yeah. know the message of Jesus Christ. They may not know the love the peace the hope the joy that he brings and so wow yes we need to stay safe because people are dying we need to get mobile too because people are dying and they may not know that love yeah it's so important. i was reflecting um Noah earlier that uh you know this the re- we can't be renegade in our response yes. okay yeah um we've, we've got to be nuanced in how it is that we respond effectively in a time where truly nobody knows what is the best thing to do exactly okay there's um there's there's no right answer at this point. Uh, that that's why that's why directives change daily, right? Mm-hmm. We have some pretty good, you know, we we can make some pretty safe assumptions, but at the same time, um, to to throw out, uh, let me say it this way: isolation is contrary to the message of our gospel. Amen. Right? Amen. We're we're created in the image and likeness of God. We're created to live in Christian community, to to exist in a in a state in our world where that that fact in and of itself is being challenged is actually antithetical to the fun, fundamental question of Christianity. Yeah, right. That um, that we we can't simply accept on face value that we are called into a time to effectively allow ourselves to be isolated as communities from one another. Now. Is the response to that to ignore, you know, <laughs> social and medical guideline and expectation? No. Of course not. But uh, we need to be ones who, in our response to direction, we prioritize that question that Jesus asks us. Who do you say that mm-hmm. I am? Mm-hmm. What do we believe about ourselves? What, what, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be one made in the image and likeness of God? And that answer has to be the thing that informs our every decision. And mm-hmm. I'm not convinced that right now it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, th- friends, I hope that this will um, tickle your imaginations so mm. that you can engage in this process with us as we go along. Um, Father, yeah. I want to I jump into, you know, Beyond Damascus is the show where encounter meets mission. And, nice. um, and, and, and you're living in the midst of, of an awesome mission right now as a priest, as a pastor. Yep. Um, and uh, I'm curious if, if 
we might be able to hear a little insight on how it is that you got to where you are today, right? What was what was the process of, I, I want to hear your testimony of what life was like. What what was the hand that God dealt you to get you to this place you are right now? To the priesthood? To Yeah. <laughs> yes. To encounter, uh, encountering Jesus, becoming a priest. Yeah. To you sitting in the seat um, right here. How did yeah. you get to the studio? How long is the show? You don't today. have to talk about um, the car, no. getting driving the car here, but... I only by the grace of God and the intercession of, of really faithful people who knew who Jesus was and what mm, he can do. Yeah. Uh, and I think once we harness that reality and accept the truth of who he is, he gives us the power to make crazy things happen. Uh, the least of which is me becoming a priest. Um, <laughs> he does amazing things, Ben, and it is an amazing thing. Um, and I'm grateful for it every day because never wanted to be a priest growing up ever. Yeah. Ever. Uh, and when people told me that growing up, I would say thank you, but obviously you don't know but me. No, thank you. And <laughs> you're on some sort of medication, and I appreciate that you take it. Um, but I, it just wasn't, it was not something that was attractive to me at the time because I was ignorant. I didn't know anything. So I uh, graduated from the University of Dayton, got my degree in biology, uh, eventually wound back up in Cleveland yeah. and was enrolled in nursing school. Had a great job, uh, dating a great girl, and then I asked the fateful question, Lord, what else is there? Because mm-hmm. um, I had just come back to my faith, and that's, that's, that's worth talking about. Can we talk about that? Yes. Yeah. Should I finish the priesthood? <laughs> Please do. Yeah. No. Because I, think that's I get to honor I my niece. I honor the Lord, but I really get to honor my niece, and, I, and I, hopefully I can spend the rest of my life honoring her, because uh, she is the reason I'm back. So... I uh, grew up in a household that was uh, somewhat tumultuous uh, during the high school years, and um, just uh, through a series of of events, lost uh, faith, lost the desire to pursue the Lord, uh, to to ask more questions. I was just tired and angry, mm-hmm. uh, as most you know millennial teens were are, um, <laughs> and uh, spent most of my freshman year uh, either making fun of. Christians or and, and definitely not going to any liturgy, uh, let alone participate in prayer. And uh, my sister was pregnant at the time. And I know she was dealing with a, a lot of hard stuff too. And so it was just a lot of juggling and a lot of uh, trying to self-soothe and, and hmm. provide on my own and figure out things on my own and not turn to prayer for any sort of guidance or assistance. And long story short, I remember um, that's a whole nother story too. I, I never visited my brother because uh, he went to Miami University, which is about 45 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And I never visited him on a weekend uh, until about two or three weeks before my sister was due. Um, and both of us had crazy different schedules, what we did. We were involved in two different things. and But I eventually made it a point to go visit him. And so we were there at the same place at the same time when my sister called and said, the baby's on the way. Yeah. Freaked out. Again, that's sort of wow. a different day because the Lord, like we were, it was nuts how we made it to the hospital about an hour before my sister delivered. There was no, it was only the Lord because we were on the same campus, but we were on opposite sides of the campus. Had to do with rain and snow and cars <laughs> and how it all lined up worked. And uh, she delivered a healthy baby girl, uh-huh. Lisa Marie, and she's now 13. Uh, and I remember walking into the delivery room, um, literally, I know it's cliche, like it was yesterday. And, uh, you know, when there's a newborn, you pass the baby around like a football and everybody gets a, <laughs> uh, a turn and uh, take pictures. 
And she was wailing. She was definitely a Cosgrove, loud mouth, <laughs> causing uh, just a, a commotion. And then it was my turn, and they, uh, my sister put my niece into my arms, and she stopped crying. Mm. Um, and they say babies can't see right after being born. Um, that's baloney. She saw me, <laughs> and uh, she stopped crying, and she looked up and opened her eyes and just looked right into mine, and it was game over. Wow. And it was in that moment, it was very, you know, it's, it's the Lord who's soft and stern at the same time mm-hmm. and, and, and bold and soothing. And, and uh, it was just his confirmation saying, what other proof do you need? Wow. You know, like I'm right here, always was. And then uh, at that point, I couldn't deny that. That God was real, and then I spent a couple of years on a path learning. Okay, how do we, how do I know the Lord the best? Who has what religion, what spirituality pathway uh, can get me to know Him the most? And so I looked at other world religions because uh, I grew up Catholic, and um, Catholicism was the last one I, I revisited because I didn't want to just fall back into that. And after doing my own research, realized that the Catholic Church has the truth. Jumped back in, and then it was a, a slow growth into a consistent prayer life and discipline. And then after I got all my ducks in a row in terms of career and lifestyle, that's when I asked the Lord the faithful question, what else is there? And he said, guess what? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, entered the seminary about a year after I asked that question. Wow. Yeah. And and I fought it, Uh fought it hard. And I tell people, if you know anyone that might have a calling to the priesthood, tell them because the Lord used individuals for about, 16 years uh planting seeds yeah and i needed all those seeds to to bloom at the same time because that's what came to me in prayer was it was all memories i didn't get a sign from an angel there was no like concrete voice in prayer it was i went to prayer what else is there and then he Mm -hmm. just flooded me with these people from second grade to my last year in college asking me that question and me dismissing them and every time i went to prayer that's all i heard and because I was a science geek and still am, I need evidence. I need proof to believe yeah. something. I need to do research. And I didn't have enough evidence to say no. So I said, I'll join the seminary. I'll give it a semester. My sister bet me 50 bucks that they'd kick me out by Halloween. She's like, oh, you won't <laughs> last three months. There's no way. They'll kick you out. And then um, after six months, I realized there was no real reason to leave. I didn't have that evidence. And then six years later, by the grace of God, I was ordained a priest for the Diocese of Cleveland. And it was the best decision that he made for me uh, yeah. that I eventually made with him. And uh, here I am. Praise the Lord. Wow. Amen. Amen. Uh, that is awesome. Thank you for listening. You, that was that's so powerful. You, that may be the first uh, priestly vocational testimony that I've heard that came from experiencing the joy of babies. <laughs> yeah. I know. Really? It's usually, usually they want to get married after that, but that's amazing. I love well, it was that. a Cosgrove baby. So yes. she was, she was so, wailing so quite a bit. Special. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. great. Well, I love that. And I love, um, one of the first things we met three years ago, three years, however long ago. And, and I, I cry over it often. Wow. Thank you. It's powerful. <laughs> Not that way. Um, <laughs> uh, but I remember one of the first things you said to me, and I, this is when I was like, okay, I kind of like this guy. He's, a, he's, he knows what he's talking about is we were t- on the phone just talking about, you know, just revival. That's a word we use here a lot is just that we want to see the revival of the church in North America, that people would, would begin to know, love and serve Jesus Christ and his church. And we were talking about the, 
the uh yeah just the concept of revival and how we're called to do that practically in our parishes and in our schools and we're just dreaming and i remember you said this this phrase about um making a mess you you said that everyone in a in a store no matter who, no matter when it's happening no matter who they are if you drop something in the store everyone turns around I remember you saying that to I me. I said that. that. Yes, you did. You I was did. Probably telling a story and, that <laughs> happened to me that day. <laughs> <laughs> probably. But I remember you saying when you when you drop something in a store, it doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't matter who it is, it doesn't matter what that person's doing. Everyone turns around and looks. Yeah. And and how we in the church um, we're called we're called to go and we're called to go and make that mess. And how we're supposed to mm. we're supposed to you know we're or we say our faith is dynamic. Or that word comes to that from mess. Yeah. exactly. Or that word comes from dynamite right that we're called to to blow things up in a way very metaphorically here but um that that's one of the first things you said and so and kind of back to this whole this whole pandemic thing kind of back to uh the state of the church what how do you see that playing out that that heart to be able to to make a mess to to bring people into that encounter with god what does that look like um for for you right now what has god been speaking to you um when it comes to to doing that right here and right now to make a, a bigger mess than what's already <laughs> happening right now. There's already a pretty big mess happening right now. But in this time where so many people are looking, they're looking around. They, they might not even need to hear the thing spill. They're already looking around and, and looking for an answer. Um, how are we called to, to provide that answer? You're, you know, we're here at Damascus. We're an oasis. Um, but you're, you're a priest in a parish, you know, in the world. Yeah. Um, so what, is that, what does that look like? Hmm. Getting dirty. Um, I think it was St. Charles Borromeo when he dealt with, was it the Black Plague? When he was a, a bishop. And uh, he shut down the churches for almost two years or over two years around that time. But he goes, okay, we're not going to gather in the church, but we're going to build outdoor altars. Mm-hmm. You know? And there's, oh, I wish I should, I wanted to memorize the quote because it just, it, I read it and I just took off after that. So I probably should have prayed with it a little bit more. Um, but I mean, it was gasoline on fire where he goes, you know, we, we want to accommodate. We want to still provide the sacraments as best we can and be responsible, but be bold. And he specifically told his priests, you go out into that plague. Like, mm-hmm. this is what you're made to do. This is what you're called to do. So, yeah, we're not going to gather in the churches right now, but you will go minister to those that are sick. Like, get out there. This is you're not going to sit tight just because you're off on Sundays. I don't think you talk like that at all, but it's like, you know, a paraphrase of just his directive to, to do that. And so I think, and that's scary because we're going to put ourselves at risk. Um, was it St. Martin who dealt with the lepers? He went to the leper colony. Same, not Martin of Tours, but Martin de Porres. Mm. One of them. There was, yeah, there was a guy. For failure. Anyway, <laughs> there was, there was a, a guy who dealt with lepers. Saint now. And... <laughs> He went into the leper colony to minister to them. And everyone's like, you're going to get leprosy. And guess what he did? Thank God. I mean, like, thank God he went because they wouldn't have had anybody. Mm -hmm. So there is, you know, depending on our role, depending on our vocation, there's an appropriate thing to, uh, there's an appropriate situation that we should respond to. uh, And that's got to be a constant discernment. And luckily everything changes day by day. So we can do it day by day, discern what we have to do, but we need to respond to it. Uh, And so for priests, it's, it it's time to get dirty. I mm-hmm. mean, if 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 it is a big mess, uh, we got to enter into it. I mean, that's what we do with the sacrament of confession. By the grace of God, and we are we are gifted to be that vehicle to to receive the mess. Mm-hmm. But then we hand it over, mm. right? 
And so here in this time of chaos, where a lot of the mess is just confusion uh, and fear and also good discernment, we shouldn't be shying away from that. We should be making ourselves more available, you know, and um, it's proven successful every time Um, (laughs) just because it's of the Lord, you know, thanks be to God. So uh, right now, I think that's the minimum Yep. Of, of of entering into that mess um, is just we have to be willing to constantly get dirty because baptism already made us clean. So what's we're good. Yeah, we're Amen. fine in the end. You know. So Amen. Father, I wonder if uh, if you have any if you have any testimony of um, what ministry like some of the blessings that have come from ministry in these last couple months. Mm. Uh, I'll share. I'll give you. I'll give you a moment to think. So. Uh, our, our first week of Catholic Youth Summer Camp here on site, um, we were bold and excited and a little anxious about opening a residential summer camp for 300 kids sure. in the midst of, you know, lots of question marks. And uh, there was, a, there was a, a, a motivation that was driving our staff of the fact that there are like there are there's wound, there are wounds and there is suffering that needs to be addressed mm-hmm. in the lives of young people right now and um it was it was such a profound experience as students were sharing their testimony after that first week of summer camp it was uh it was a round of of some of the greatest testimonies that we've ever heard as a ministry and what we heard was that in the midst of political discourse in the midst of social commentary, in the midst of schools being closed, in the midst of sports being canceled, that uh, the young people that spent that week here at Catholic Summer Camp spent their time at home suffering immensely. Mm-hmm. That isolation was isolation was and is and has been tremendously impactful to the to the way that they are existing as as young people. You know, right. there was there was so much anxiety that the Lord healed that week. There was so much Praise God. um so many instances of uh, you know, I don't want to speak clinically, but um instances of, of 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 individuals who had given up hope and who came back and just in a week here at, you know, at Catholic Youth Summer Camp, certainly what we're doing is amazing here, but it was it was a week to encounter the Lord and and to say you know what no I'm I'm not going to bow down Amen. and allow my life to be to be Isolated. dictated yeah. by mm-hmm. a, a response to a to a problem right right that um and it was it was transformative yeah it was transformative so uh so regardless of the cost of what this summer has been um I'm I'm blessed to have been a part of the part of the team who is at least seeking solutions mm-hmm. and uh and to see the lord move in in such a powerful way have you experienced anything similar yeah well first the the parishioners yeah. uh i have a um very strong italian catholic demographic <laughs> at saint Clair, and they are so good to the the lone irishman in the bunch <laughs> and they're i mean it's it's part of their heritage but also i just think they're they are very intentional because a lot of uh, the current generation Italian Catholics still live in the area. So they are exposed to what the culture says and, you know, how they're affected by yeah. what social media even tells them to do. Um, but all across the board, they pounced as soon as those doors were open. Wow. So here we are thinking, I mean, I think we have, uh, I think it's all across the board, different dioceses in terms of the return. Yep. Uh, the percentage, I think, um, 
we have about 50, 60% return, which was expected. Um, higher for some, lower for others. Um, so we're not too worried about that. But uh, at the start, we were worried if we we're going to get any, you know. And so we were just so inspired by their hunger for the Eucharist, their hunger for the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Um, from Like I said, all across the board in terms of, of age and demographic that they just they came and so I, I i think that their prayers and their participation in the parish has certainly just opened our eyes to not only the power of god um but the protection of god and how he rewards his faithful you mm-hmm. know because the more people return the more alive our worship is and yeah. and the more uh power that is generated um with cooperation um with the trinity during the mass right yeah um and then other stories of of families not being afraid to to visit, I think that's it's and to see families grow closer together during this time, um, even if they they decided to stay at home, just the intentionality of the parents to to mm-hmm. make a, a disciplined prayer life um, a part of their week. And I have a, a particular affinity for the dying, actually, so this makes it a very interesting time. Um, and that was a surprise gift that he gave me at at priesthood is I, I really, it sounds weird to say I enjoy hospice ministry because I think you really, you, you cut through all the BS. You get straight to the heart of conversations, you know, um, when you're on your deathbed and they, they come to terms with their humanity and their mortality, but they also show the, the integrity of their faithfulness in those moments and what they have taught me. Right. So, uh, and to see even then, knowing at the end of the day, they're not worried about dying. They're more worried about the relationships um, and how that is. I, that's spiritual genetics. I think that's taught. So when I go to those uh, who are dying um, to see how they don't care. Yeah. And I'm sure some medical professionals think that's incredibly irresponsible. Jesus saves. So I did walking in and like, Father, please don't put a mask on. I want to hold your hand. Could you come sit down here? You know, and and their family members willing just to throw their arms hmm. around you because they need the comfort of a father, which mm-hmm. they see uh, in the priesthood. Yeah, and I'm blessed just to be that priest in that moment. Yeah, yeah. So they just they they've been such great reminders, and those have been glory stories. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Ah, uh, thank you for sharing. Okay, so uh, Father Jim, thank you for uh, thank you for giving us that testimony and that witness. Friends, I want to I want to cut us off. We're going to we're going to take a short break and then we'll be back with Father Jim with Noah to wrap up today's show. It has been an exciting ride so far. So hold on tight. We'll be right back Buckle after up. this break. Woo! The wisdom of Mother Angelica. Isn't it us that we today do not recognize his presence? in the Eucharist? Is it because we really don't go to him in humbleness of heart and say, Lord, I don't believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I want to see you. I want to recognize you. I cannot live without you. Are we saying that? EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Now there's a fast and easy way to get in touch with EWTN. The EWTN Everything Number. Call 1-800-447-EWTN to get the latest information on programming, special events, pilgrimages, and more. 
Our EWTN Family Viewer Services representatives are ready to help you with whatever your needs may be. The EWTN Everything Number. 1-800-447-EWTN. EWTN. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, where Encounter Meets Mission. And as we wrap up today's show, uh, this has been um, an awesome reflection just on the the times in which we live, right? As we respond as a ministry here at Damascus, an apostolate here at Damascus, as Father Jim, you've shared with us your response as a priest, all of it flows from our identity and our intimacy in relationship with Jesus. I was reflecting just this morning on that moment where the uh, disciples were in the boat with Jesus, right? And the storm was raging. And you, you shared earlier, Father, that that concept that it's like the boat is leaving right now. The boat is leaving the harbor, and and it's it's time to it's time to get on board. It's time to be ready. Amen. And um, that that moment in Scripture was so profound because because the apostles had an invitation to respond in a way where they placed their faith in the command that Jesus had given them. Mm-hmm. Jesus had said. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there and it'll move. Mm-hmm. He, he said, if you have faith, you can you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it'll be done. He said, heal the sick. He said, raise the dead. He said, cast out demons, right? And then- Walk on and, water. And then in the mm-hmm. time when the storms got rough, they cower in fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's appropriate to go to Jesus when we're afraid. Amen. But what was Jesus's response to them? He said, you of little faith, right? Jesus expects us to be a part of the solution here, mm. not just ones who wait for someone to come up with a plan. So I, I wonder if we might just wrap up in, in prayer today. Uh, friends, let, let's, let's go ahead and pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Jesus, you don't desire for us to be ridden by fear. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus, you don't desire for us to be marked by isolation. So God, as one Christian community, as one church, we, just, we, we pray in the name of Jesus that fear would get out of our lives. We pray in the name of Jesus for an end to coronavirus. We pray in the name of Jesus for a restoration of power and courage and boldness and strength in our response to our common Christian call. Father, would you close us out by giving us your blessing? The Lord be with you. And with, with your, your spirit. spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy, Holy spirit. spirit. Amen. 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 Friends, thank you for joining us for today's show. You've been listening to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. It's carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. As I said earlier in today's show, if you're interested in catching our show, grab us on a podcast wherever podcasts are found. And otherwise, we will check in with you again next week. God bless and have a great day. <laughs>